Hello and welcome to Ovidcast. Here at Ovid Health, we are committed to enabling and inspiring healthy lives through the power of communications. In this series, we'll be exploring the essential role of partnerships between patient groups and the life sciences industry and asking how the sector can forge stronger partnerships which deliver better healthcare for patients. In today's episode, Rachel Gonzaga, Head of Patient Partnerships at Ovid Health, and Victoria Clare, Chief Executive of Overcome, discuss how to build lasting relationships to underpin successful partnerships. Hi, Victoria. It was really clear from what you said in our last conversation that trust is so important to creating a successful partnership. What advice would you give to companies that are coming to a patient group, completely freshly starting to build a relationship? How can they build a relationship and a partnership that's truly based on trust? You know, we work with a lot of industry partners. And I think one of the barriers to a successful partnership is when an industry partner comes with like a short term view, because ultimately, you know, charities put a lot of work into those partnerships. And I appreciate that that pharma companies do as well. But charities are not as well resourced. So if we are going to commit to a relationship, you know, for us at Overcome, we need to be clear about what that relationship is going to deliver that is going to be of worth to our organisation or, more importantly, to those people who we serve, to those we represent and to our beneficiaries. I've really appreciated some pharmaceutical companies have come to us and said, hey, you know, we'd really like to work in partnership and can you do this? And, you know, when I've kind of said... Yeah, but for how long? What are you trying to do? What are we trying to do? Is there something we can do together? If you can be honest about that and think about that in advance, that changes the nature of that initial conversation. If we know from the outset that we're building a longer term relationship with somebody, it just makes it much easier. So let me ask you about the cancer charity landscape more broadly. So lots of our clients that we work with are very conscious that Oncology is a very crowded space, especially when it comes to doing awareness or advocacy campaigns. What factors should industry consider when they're developing partnerships in this space and deciding which organisations they should seek a partnership with? I mean, I guess the thing that a lot of industry partners don't really understand, but the information is easily accessible and available to them, is that in the same way as you all have a very clear strategy for each of your organisations and aims and objectives, and you know what you're aiming to do, right? Every charity has to have aims and objectives set out that are agreed by the Charity Commission. And actually, that information is freely available for industry partners to go and look at. So it may seem like it's a very crowded space, but actually, so for example, in ovarian cancer, there are charities that are doing campaigning, there are charities that are doing policy work, there are charities that are doing research, and that information is openly available and accessible on the Charity Commission. You can go on there, the Charity Commission website, and you'll be able to see the size of that charity. You'll be able to see how many staff they have. You'll be able to look at their annual returns and see actually what their focus is. And that's going to save you a lot of time, because for some charities, their website will look a little bit different and may not give you an idea of the way that you can perhaps engage with them, whereas their Charity Commission page will will do that for you. That's great advice. Thank you. 
So Victoria, one thing that a lot of our clients and um, other people in industry are grappling with is how to measure the success of a partnership. There's a real desire to go beyond just likes on a social media post or clicks through to a website and measure the real impact of a programme on patients, but also balancing that with the fact that behaviour change is often quite resource intensive to measure. In your experience, what's a really great way to measure the success of a partnership with industry? So I would say just from a patient support perspective, the way that we would measure success would be whether or not from absolute start, from inception to the end of the project, we are involving patients in it. In that sense, we work to a co-production model and that means that it's very easy for us to measure success in a way because what we're constantly doing is going through different iterations. So it's like plan, do, review, plan. It's like this constant cycle of, you know, plan, do, review. You know, there's never an end point to patient engagement, right? I think that's something that is really helpful to remember. What you can do is you can measure the impact through feedback from those patients of your section, your part of that project, you know, and just accept that when organisations are working in partnership, they develop something together or there's a funding model or whatever it is that we achieve together. If you're setting yourselves up to come with a, how do we measure the success of this six months project? You're going to have to stick or you're going to have to rely somewhat on social media likes, imprints, unique downloads and those sorts of things. But actually, if you allow your patient advocacy group partner to talk about the quality of that work, what the impact has been or what service users have said, even if we really enjoyed the opportunity to be considered, you know, for our views to be heard, that's a measurement of impact. So I think what you have to do is you have to rely on us as charities to tell you how we measure impact rather than try and either impose or insist on certain impact measurements that maybe give you some closure but actually are not particularly helpful to the charity and are certainly not helpful to the patients and ultimately doesn't tell anybody anything that's going to be of use in the future. So I think that's one of the things where actually you have to come to trust your charity partner or you have to come to trust your patient advocacy group. Excellent, thank you. Victoria, can you tell me about any trends that you've seen in working with pharma and which of those trends do you hope will continue and which ones do you hope will stop? Since 2018, as a charity, we've been talking about health inequalities and overcoming health inequalities and kind of changing patient experience and understanding that not all patients have the same experience of the same service, right? A really positive thing that's happened really in the last 18 months, actually, is that pharma have kind of really picked that up with us and have acknowledged that we're doing that work and we're experts in that work and have started to support us to take that forwards, but have also come to challenge themselves to change the way that they're delivering funding, perhaps, or to change the conversations that they're having. So I think that's a massive positive because, um, you know, that's about us reflecting, amplifying patient voices on a very individualised, you know, those, those groups that really are not getting to have their say. So that's been really positive. I think one of the things that persists that kind of frustrates me is that as CEO of a charity, when you want to provide funding to us or you want to work with us to undertake a project, if the true costs of the project involve delivery costs or kind of management costs or staff costs, 
if you're very specific, as you know, as an industry partner about the fact that you cannot fund staffing, you will not fund staff travel, you cannot fund staff training, you know, that really ties us in knots because it means we have to go away and find that money from somewhere else. And that's often quite difficult to do. And I understand there are reasons why pharma companies cannot fund certain elements of delivery. I totally get that. But I would say it is a real barrier to us being able to work creatively with some potential partners. I mean, we do find ways around it because ultimately, you know, if, it, if it's worth doing and it's going to meet the needs of our community, then we will find a way around it. But it makes things very difficult for us. And if there are other leaders of, of charities out there who are listening to this podcast and starting to come on that journey and realising the importance and the value of, of partnerships, what advice would you give those CEOs who are considering a first partnership with, with industry? Um, first and foremost, I'd say have a conversation with your staff teams have a conversation with your board of trustees, look at what your constitution says, because it may be that you're not actually allowed to. Then I would say, assuming that you are allowed to and that you understand what you would like to see, then you actually need to communicate that and have those honest and open conversations with those potential industry partners right from the outset. You know, there may be absolute points where there are boundaries and barriers and, and you, you cannot do certain things, in which case, be honest from the outset. But if you're absolutely clear about what you want to see from that partnership, it's the same as anything, isn't it? Just vocalise that from the outset and say, this is what we would like to see. This is what we need to see. This is the change that we're aiming for. And, and by and large, when we've done that at Overcome, we've seen that industry partners have either dropped off at that point and said, actually, no, that's not for us, which is fine because nobody's time's wasted. Or they've said, actually, that really is for us. And thank you for being honest. And we think that we can work with you towards those aims. So it's just just thinking, being really clear about what we, what we as charities need to see from that partnership from the outset and have those conversations and be honest about it and be upfront. Fantastic. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for listening to Ovidcast. Next week, Rachel Gonzaga discusses patient partnerships in a European context with Mary Pavlou, president of the Fabry International Network. If you enjoyed the show, why not share it with a friend and subscribe so you never miss an episode.